We're in Acts chapter 5 today. Last week we read as the church was in unity, which is great for the church to be in unity with one another. That they're like-minded, they're focused, their attention is on the same thing. If our attention is not on Jesus, then we've been distracted. But the church back then was focused because Jesus was doing amazing things through his apostles at that time. The day of Pentecost, all of those people were saved. And then, I don't know how much later, just a little while later, a bunch of other people are saved because a lame man is healed outside the beautiful gate at the temple. And everyone is finding out who Jesus is, although he's gone home to be with the Father. And they're hearing about him and seeing him through the apostles, through the works of Peter and John and, and the rest of the apostles. They had spent three and a half years getting to know Jesus, watching him perform miracles, and now they themselves are set out to do the same thing. Their focus is to do the works of Jesus Christ. Guess what? Our focus has not changed since then. It's the same message for us today that was given to them 2,000 years ago. And so they're helping each other. They all started donating everything that they had so that everyone had enough of everything. Many of them were from out of town and they probably didn't have a lot from where they came from anyway. And here they are in Jerusalem and they have nothing because, you know, their stuff is back home. And so here everyone is pitching in. So everyone has enough of everything and they can all share one with another. The real thing that they were sharing was the love of God. They were ministering the love of God to each other. And so because they were doing that, they were the recipients of the love of God at the same time. That's one of the main things that the church really is here for, the, the body of Christ that we get together in these groups and we call them the church. And so here at Calvary Chapel Fountain Hills, we get together to minister one to another. That's what we're told to do, to take the gift that God has given us so that we can minister it to each other. We can pray for each other. We can encourage each other. We bless each other in that way. And so that's part of being the church. At the same time, we're not just being the church, we're being instruments in the hand of God to do the work of God. Today's message is titled, Tell the Truth. And we continue our study through Acts chapter 5 with verse 1, where we read, But a certain man named Ananias with Sapphira, his wife, sold a possession, and he kept back part of the proceeds, his wife also being aware of it, and brought a certain part and laid it at the apostles' feet. 
So I told everyone last week that Barnabas, the son of encouragement, he uh, was mentioned 25 times in the book of Acts. His name was mentioned over and over because he was encouraging people. He was always in the midst midst of things you know he was with Paul just going out there and ministering and and he had his name mentioned 25 times Ananias here would rather that his name wasn't mentioned you see his name is mentioned and this isn't how we want our name mentioned in the Bible no matter how often people try to do good things there's always going to be someone that is going to look at how it's going to profit them, how it's going to bless them in particular. And we don't know why Ananias and Sapphira did this. And we we aren't really given a lot of detail into their motivation about doing this and, and cheating God by taking half or part of whatever it is. We don't know, but they gave part of it. This tells me something about them as a couple. First of all, they had their priorities wrong. They were more interested in what God can do for them than in how they could minister for God. You see, and in that community at that time, the focus was what can we do for the Lord? How can we bless the Lord? And people were sharing of their goods so that they could bless the Lord by sharing with each other and bless others. And so as we share our gifts, our finances with each other, we're blessing other people and we in turn are being blessed. You can never outgive God. Now, this isn't a health and wealth uh, teaching. It's the fact that we can never outgive what God gives us. If God blesses us with something and we bless someone else with that, it doesn't matter what it is. You can't out, God is going to say, that's what I want. I want them to see me through what you're doing, uh, through the gift that you've been given. Look, you're blessing them. Good, I'm going to give you more so you can go bless others. Ananias and Sapphira really didn't understand that. Second, they didn't understand or believe in the power of the Holy Spirit. If they understood the power of the Holy... Now, how could you not at this point? When you're seeing, you know, people, lame people being, you know, healed. Lame from birth and they're being healed and they're jumping around. And and you know that isn't human. The Pharisees and Sadducees weren't healing people at the gate. Otherwise, there wouldn't be people at the gate, right? There wouldn't have been anyone begging. How come these faith healers of today don't go to the hospital and empty them out? When COVID hit and all the hospitals were full, where were the faith healers? Why weren't they there emptying the overflow? Because they can't. And the same thing with the Pharisees and Sadducees. They weren't able to heal these people. But now, Peter, of all people, was there healing. I mean, but he said, it wasn't me. And Ananias and Sapphira, I'm sure, heard about that. 
and they didn't recognize the fact that the Holy Spirit is the one doing the work. And if the Holy Spirit can do that, you don't want to mess around with the Holy Spirit. It wasn't a requirement for people to sell their property and bring their money to uh, the apostles. That wasn't, it wasn't something that was, okay, we have new commandments, and a new commandment is bring your money here. That wasn't it. They just did it willingly because they knew it was going to bless others. They were doing it out of love. That's what, what, they, were, what they were really doing. They just knew that this is what the Lord wanted them to do. And they loved people. They wanted to pour out to them. We, we read in Matthew chapter 24 verse 12 that that's going to go away. And because of lawlessness, um, because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. That's what the world we're living in today. We're living in Matthew chapter 24 today. And because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. I like the Jerusalem Bible that, um, uh, no, it's called the Jubilee Bible. I like their version of that same verse. It says, because of lawlessness, the charity will wax cold. And see, and the King James says love will wax cold. You see, and the reason why I like that, almost every other one, you know, says that it will grow cold. But I like wax cold because you know what cold wax is like? It's, it, you can't use it. It's not pliable. Can't do anything with it. And so in that context, I like the word wax instead of grow because... We're like wax in the hand of the Lord. He can mold us and shape us to use us for his purposes. But when lawlessness abounds and our love waxes cold, we become just a clump of wax, unusable, cold, and, and not good for anything. And I believe that that's what was happening even in the early church with some of the people. Their love was waxing cold. In our modern day, we're not required to sell what we have and lay it at the pastor's feet. So just to give you comfort, you don't have to do that. That isn't a requirement here. Uh, it isn't the legalistic law that we live by. We don't live by those kind of obligations. We take part in the communion of the saints in Christ Jesus. We are brothers and sisters in Christ, and we want to bless our brothers and sisters. You know, we want to be used by the Father to bless our brothers and sisters, and that's how we should be living today. Giving is something we do out of joy, not out of obligation. And Ananias and Sapphira, I don't think, had that joy. So how did people know what Ananias and Sapphira did? I, I believe it's the Holy Spirit that, really, that revealed it to Peter. Peter knew. 
because uh, the Holy Spirit showed him. And then in verse 3 we read, but Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and keep back part of the price of the land for yourself? While it remained, was it not your own? And after it was sold, was it not in your own control? Why have you conceived this thing in your heart? You have not lied to men, but to God. He brought a portion. They, they decided they were going to bring a portion of what. Now, we don't know what that portion is. But see, I believe what they were trying to do was... Well, Barnabas brought his portion, laid it at their feet, and now, hey, we can get in good with the apostles. We'll bring a portion. We've got that big lot of land. You know, people are bringing, you know, like 40, 50 shekels. We'll bring 100. But we have that big plot of land. We could sell for 300. So we'll keep 200, and we'll just bring 100, and it'll make us look like we're really generous. And we're going to bless them with this. And see, the Holy Spirit knew the whole time. The Holy Spirit knew what they were doing. And so it wasn't healthy. It wasn't healthy for them and it wasn't healthy for the church. But Peter, who would have cared really if they brought a hundred shekels and gave it and said, here, here's a hundred, you know, it would be like, Praise the Lord. You know, we have more that we can give out to others. But it was because of the fact that they tried to pass it off, that they were doing, they were giving their all. Um, you know, sometimes we live our lives that way for Christ. We act like we're giving it all when we're really only giving a portion. I know that's convicting. If you want to run out, go ahead. Sometimes I feel like that. Myself, I want to run out. Because I'm convicted by what this is telling me. They gave a portion. How many times am I guilty of only giving a portion when I really should be giving it all? How many times do I spend more time doing things for myself than spending time doing things for the Lord. I'm convicted when I am not prepared to give a message because work got in the way or events got in the way or people got, and I just don't feel prepared to get up and give a message. You know what I found out? I'm not giving the message. The Holy Spirit is. So when I get up there and I'm ill-prepared, well, when I say ill-prepared, people would say, well, you got all that down. You did amazing. Yes, that's because of the Holy Spirit. Yes, I spent time studying. I spent time preparing. But the Holy Spirit did the work. The Holy Spirit sent the message out. I could have spent more time in prayer about it. I could have spent more time studying about it. Sometimes I found that I overstudied for something. And I, I had prepared this great message. And I, get the, and I want to deliver that message. 
and I'm there delivering the message, and I have this look from everyone looking at me like, what is he talking about? Where's he going with this? You know, I know some of you have seen that too when you've been sharing and all of a sudden, you know, people are looking at you like, oh, is this going to end? <laughs> Don't worry, it's still early. I've only got two pages left. So <clears throat> they, Ananias and Sapphira, decided to sin against God. When David sinned against God with Bathsheba, he went to the Lord. He wrote in uh, Psalm 51, 4, against you and you only have I sinned and done this evil in your sight. He had Bathsheba's husband killed out on the battlefield. He committed murder. And then he had a child that was out of wedlock. He, she wasn't, they weren't married. And he did all of this but it says that he sinned against God only. How can that be? That's confusing, isn't it? How, how is it just God? He sinned against Bathsheba. He sinned against her husband. Here's the thing. We, everyone in here, are sinners. We're all guilty of sin. There's only one who hasn't sinned. That's God. And when we sin, we're sinning against him. He sets the bar for what sin is. Sin means we've missed the mark. He's the mark. And we've missed the mark. And so because he sets that parameter, anytime we sin, we're sinning against him. Oh, we are guilty of hurting someone else, but truly our sin is going to be judged against him or against us from him. But the good news is he's forgiven all of our sin. I'm sure you've heard that before. Do you consider it on a regular basis? Because we continue to sin. We continue to have fault in our life where we would be disqualified. We aren't out there performing sacrifices on animals to cover our sin because our sin was covered once and for all by Jesus Christ, the only one that was qualified to take away our sin. And so all our sin, past, present, and future, are wiped out. But does that give us freedom to go out and continue to sin? No, of course not. We are required to live for him. That's what the requirement really is, to live for him. And our whole life is spent learning what that means and putting it into action. Ananias, Sapphira, they didn't get it. Were they saved? That's, that's a question. Were they saved? I don't know. But I believe they were. You see, I believe they joined in this group and they wanted to be saved. They believed in Jesus Christ and they wanted to be saved. And they did. But Adam and Eve 
made the same mistake. They were told what not to do, and they both did it, right? They were told, no, don't do this or you'll die. Can you imagine Adam talking with his wife? What does that mean? There hadn't been death. They didn't have anything to compare it to. So what, what does he mean? They'll, you know, will die. They found out it just took a lot longer than they thought it would. This is really an inside job by Satan. You see, Satan got into their hearts, Ananias and Sapphira, and he told them it was going to be all right. You can do this. You can get away with this. Then Ananias, hearing these words from Peter, fell down and breathed his last. And so great fear came upon all those who heard these things. And the young men arose and wrapped him up, carried him out, and buried him. The Lord took his life. Does that seem harsh? I, for me, it does. You know, it's like, hold on. He, he just did a little lie and, and you know, but phew, he's gone. Uh, consider what he was trying to do. He was trying to deceive people and deceive God at the same time. He was being deceptive, but can we be accused of doing that? What was the purpose that he did that? I don't know, but God knows. He probably had other plans to fleece the flock, and God already knew that, and was taking that out of the way so that there wouldn't be further damage. That's what's good about having insight into the future. You know what is going to happen, and maybe, maybe not. I don't know. But was he actually saved? I don't know. Can people who are saved act like that? We do every day. You know, there isn't any one of us who isn't guilty of doing something manipulating at one time or another. So we're not sure what the situation is here, but that's the consequence for sin, death. It was severe. His wife didn't know what happened. She shows up in verse 7. And now it was about three hours later when his wife came in, not knowing what happened. And Peter answered her, tell me whether you sold the land for so much. And she said, yes, for so much. She had the opportunity to come clean. And shouldn't that have been, Peter is asking that specific, shouldn't that have been a warning? Hold on. He may know something here. You know, she could have lied again. I don't know. I, I, that was Ananias. I I wasn't in on that. But no, she conspired with him. And she said, nope. Yes, we sold it for that much. So both of them lied. And both of them conspired to lie, we're told. And so when we in the church are um, trying to do the right thing, when we're trying to live for Christ, we can sometimes say things that aren't exactly true. 
And, and you know, you say something and, oh, you know, isn't that right, honey? <laughs> isn't that right? You know, and, and you know how that goes? You know, and I, I don't think, see, they actually plotted this out before they went and, uh, and did this. So it, it was a little more manipulation than that. But there are times where, you know what we, you know what we need to do? We need to be honest all the time, to tell the truth all the time. Because the truth, although it hurts sometimes, it may hurt someone else sometimes. You just do it. And, uh, you know, we never get in trouble. Well, yes, we do get in trouble for telling the truth sometimes. But you know what? God is going to honor that. And Peter said to her, how is it that you've agreed together to test the spirit of the Lord. Look, the feet of those who have buried your husband are at the door and they will carry you out. Then immediately she fell down at his feet and breathed her last. And the young men came in and found her dead, carrying her out, buried her with her husband. So great fear came upon all the church and all who heard these things. Yeah, I can imagine great, great fear came upon the church. I mean... This was a reverential fear. It wasn't a fear of God. It was a reverential fear. They realized how much God knows. Isn't that scary? God knows all the details. He hears all the secret conversations. He knows everything going on not only in your verbal conversation, but in your heart of hearts. That conversation you have with yourself when you decide whether you should do something or not. No one will know. I'll do this. No one will find out. And that's when we have to be honest with God and with ourselves that's when we have to act upon the truth. We have to act responsibly. Character isn't who you are when others are watching. It's who you are when no one's watching. That's when you live out the truth of your character. Our God is patient. He's merciful. He's gracious. He... If he wiped us out like Ananias and Sapphira when we did something wrong, I wouldn't have made it past two. <laughs> it would have been, psh, you're done. You know, some of you made it to four or five maybe, but not me. You know, and, and I think to myself, how many times in my life, knowing the right thing to do, and I didn't do it. Isn't that just as bad? Not that I did something bad. Not that I did something wrong, but I didn't do something right. And knowing the right thing to do when we don't do it is a sin in and of itself. That we should be doing the right thing because the right thing means God put that right thing on our heart. And then we should be doing what was right problem is we'd rather do things our own way. Verse 12, and through the hands of the apostles many signs and wonders were done among the people. 
And they were all with one accord in Solomon's porch. Yet none of the rest, the rest dared join them, but the people esteemed them highly. Uh, there isn't much to be said as to why they didn't join them. We don't know. It doesn't say. But I'll tell you what I believe. Ananias and Sapphira got a little too close. Uh-oh. They're able to read our minds and know what our hearts are. We'll keep our distance. Let someone else get close to them. We'll keep our distance. Do we do that with God? Do we keep our distance from God because we don't want to get too close because he may actually know what we're thinking? Too late. When you invite the Holy Spirit to live inside of you, you, it's a done deal. He's there. And he knows our heart. He knows our thoughts. And that's maybe a frightening thing at times. I know it is for me. But at the same time, it's a comforting thing. Because it's through the power of the Holy Spirit that we're able to act like Jesus. Without the Holy Spirit, I wouldn't act like Jesus. I'd act like the two-year-old that deserved to be wiped out. I know some of you are thinking you do act like that two-year-old once in a while. I've seen you, Pastor. My wife is laughing. That tells you all you need to know. But the truth is all of us have that in us. But we also have the Holy Spirit in us. So we're able to live like kings, queens, children of the living God. We're able to accomplish the things that he purposes for us. When Romans 3.10 says, there is none righteous, no, not one, I believe it. And, and so we can't count our works for righteousness. Paul identifies the difference in the work of the apostles and the works of the disciples. He says, truly the signs of the apostles, and this is in 2 Corinthians 12, 12, Truly, the signs of an apostle were accomplished among you with all perseverance in signs and wonders in mighty deeds. He was saying the apostles had special powers, had special works that they were able to do, which makes me question, well, aren't we able to do the same things? Yes, we are. Because it's not us, it's the Holy Spirit that does the work, right? Why don't we see the work of the apostles then? I believe it's because of how close the apostles were to Jesus. They spent three and a half years learning from him. And then they took what they learned and put it into action. And because they were Doing that, it was evident. Uh, you see, the first time you go and touch someone and lift them up from being lame all their life and they stand on their legs, you will be able to do that anytime the Holy Spirit leads you to do that. But that will build your faith. 
to the point where you can work miracles, where you can do amazing things. Unfortunately, our faith is kind of lacking at times where we don't have enough faith to turn around and tell the person in line at Safeway about Jesus, even though the Holy Spirit is putting it on our heart. Turn around and tell them. Tell them about how much Jesus loves them. I, I don't know why sometimes the Lord tells me to do things and I do it, and sometimes I don't. Because it's like, is that just me saying it? Is that, oh, am I trying to steal the show? The enemy wants you to believe that. The enemy wants you to think, oh, that's just you. Just don't worry about it. Go about your business. You know, but the Holy Spirit puts things into our lives, into our hearts that we sometimes ignore great prayer at the beginning of each day make me sensitive when you want to speak make me sensitive and give me the words to speak he says that he'll do that for us the early church was growing and the work of God was increasing verse 14 and believers were increasing added to the Lord multitudes of both men and women so that they brought the sick out into the streets and laid them on beds and couches that at least the shadow of Peter passing by might fall on some of them. Also a multitude gathered from the surrounding cities to Jerusalem bringing sick people and those who were tormented by unclean spirits and all were healed." The people were very superstitious in those days. They believed that if the shadow of an evil man crossed over you, that you would have evil come upon you. And so these people were bringing their sick out into the streets that if Peter walked by, even his shadow may touch them and be blessed. You notice it doesn't say and they were healed. It doesn't say that. In the next verse it says that the people who brought them out to Peter for healing, they were healed. The demons were cast out. The, the sick were healed. It didn't say that when his shadow touched them, they were living by superstition. Don't live by superstition. Don't live by the things that... The, don't live by your horoscope. Okay? I mean, uh, some people still do. They read their horoscope. Oh, man, this is... Oh. Or, or on the Facebook page. You know, pray this prayer and, you know, this much money will come into your account. Or, you know, and, and it's like, what? That isn't God. You know, I've tried. I've just, I got rid of all those Facebook friends. It hasn't worked. No, I, I wouldn't even think about doing something. But what I, I, you know why I opened the fortune cookie at a Chinese restaurant? Just to see what kind of foolishness I'm, I'm going to read. But there are many times that I open it up and I said, that's spot on. You know? 
That, that's just, that's, you know why? Because they know it applies to like 90% of the people out there. You know? That's, you're good looking. Yes! Of course! I am. You've lost some weight, Rick. Oh, that's, oh, that was my wife. That wasn't the fortune cookie. But it's funny how we hear things from people and we take them as gospel. And, you know, they're, they're not always gospel. Those people that were bringing people out into the street to be healed, they weren't being healed because they were just looking for Peter's shadow. That's a shadow. That, that's not going to do anything. I know there's a verse in there about Paul and people touching his handkerchief and he was being healed. Unusual miracles were taking place and they were taking place. I, I don't know. I don't know how that happened and I don't really want to. But when it was his shadow just touching people, that wasn't happening. But the good news is everyone that came for the purpose of being healed or having demons cast out, it was happening because they had a purpose. They wanted to be healed by Jesus. And it wasn't about Peter it was about Jesus. It was about the work that he was doing. In um, verse 14, we read, multitudes of both men and women were added to the Lord. This is one of the first times, and there are going to be many other times after that, it speaks about women being added to the Lord. Now, usually it's always about men, 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 you know, and now there's a mention of women. Why? Because it was a change in culture. It was something different. Something that wasn't prevalent before. But now women were having a lot of notoriety because of their relationship with Jesus. It started with Mary Magdalene and all the other Marys, the 40 other Marys that are listed in the Bible. They were all following Jesus around. They were serving Jesus they weren't out there in ministry. We don't hear that the women were healing people and stuff like that. They were just serving. And that's what many of the disciples were doing. Remember, there were 120 up in the upper room on the day of Pentecost. We don't hear about all 120 doing amazing miracles and stuff like that. And remember, those 120, there were women with them in the upper room. But here, we see that Luke is mentioning, oh, there were women that were getting saved too here in the crowd. And from that time forward, women had a prominent role in what was taking place in the ministry. They still do today. Women are very important to the ministry because there are women that need to be saved. And so women are the ones that are reaching out to women to be saved, you know, it's easy for a guy to talk to a woman and the woman get distracted by the fact that a guy is talking to them. But when a woman shares with a woman the good news of Jesus Christ, it's on a different level that guys can't reach. And so women are very important in the ministry. I love our women's ministry that she has Bible study in the morning and in the evening and Cheryl leads the Bible study. All these women come out and everything. And I love it, not just because of the snacks, but 
because of the fact that I see that the women are getting encouraged by the word, that they're sharing with one another, that they're sharpening one another, that they're seeing the goodness of the Lord by sharing with one another. And that's what we're supposed to be doing. We close with this final question. Do we recognize the church as a building where people gather and have religious ceremonies? Or do we recognize that the church is us? It's the body of Christ. We are the church. And so we are the ones that are going out and impacting the world around us. The church isn't where people go. It's us, the church, going and reaching the people. Paul confirms this in his letter to, first, uh, to the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians 3.16. He says, Do you not know that you're the temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? If anyone defiles the temple of God, God will destroy him. For the temple of God is holy, which temple you are. Let no one deceive himself. If anyone among you seems to be wise in this age, let him become a fool that he may become wise. For the wisdom of this world is foolishness with God. For it is written, he catches the wise in their own craftiness. And again, the Lord knows the thoughts of the wise that they are futile. Ananias and Sapphira thought they were wise. They thought they were able to pull one over on God, but they were caught in their deception. And do we see this happening to everyone that is deceptive? No, because then there would be an empty church, right? There wouldn't be anyone here. But we know that God sometimes sets an example for us, and they were the example. We can look to that couple as an example of how much God hates deception, how much God hates manipulation, how much God hates lies and deception in the church. I believe it's important for us to tell the truth. Let our yes be yes and our no be no. We shouldn't attempt to manipulate anyone into doing anything, and that includes salvation. We can't try to manipulate people into being saved. If we can talk someone into being saved, someone can talk them out of it. It's not about what we're doing to get people saved. It's about what the Holy Spirit is doing. And all we are doing is sharing the good news and letting the Holy Spirit do the work of salvation. We just need to tell the truth, let him do the work, and then we can celebrate when they share in the joy that we have in Jesus Christ. Amen.